Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. Hello and good morning. My name is Kevin. Um, I am really glad to be with you this morning. I actually used to be one of the pastors at Church at the Well. Um, My wife and I and our kids were in the area for about 11 years uh, before Adam ran us out of town and took over the church. So um, a lot of people called that the good season or the great season, that that period of time before Adam kind of took over. And and you should probably let him know what you think about the negative changes that he has made to the church. So, okay, some of that wasn't true, but I am really glad to be with you. And I am going to kick off uh, the sermon actually with a song today. I'm going to sing... This song is called The Love of God. It's an old hymn written in 1917 by Frederick Lehman. So you're you're welcome to sing along with me. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his son to win his erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin O love of God how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forever more endure the saints and angels' song. Could we within the oceans fill and were the skies with parchment made? Were every star on earth a quill and every man described by trade to write the love of God above would drain the Nor could the scroll contain the whole Though stretched from sky to sky So in church we sing a lot of songs. I know you sing, still sing songs at Church at the Well, and we don't always pay attention to the lyrics. I know that I don't. Um, I happily sing along to songs um, which I maybe don't even fully agree with <laughs> some of the lyrics. There are some songs out there, and including some old hymns with some bad theology. Uh, but there's also some great hymns, and, and this is an example of one of those where uh, the lyrics are really powerful. Uh, Frederick Lehman wrote this song not only uh, with a great piece of theology, but also with his heart and his life story kind of wrapped up in this, having journeyed through the ups and downs of life and brought both the things that he believed and also um, his experience and his emotions into this song. Some of you know that I'm a writer, uh, that after working as a pastor for 10 years, I decided to focus my career on, on writing. And so it wouldn't be a surprise to know that I love some of the imagery in this song. There are some great descriptions. I, this, Especially I'm drawn to this description of 
of all these human beings getting together and trying to take all of our creative energy and using that to try to describe God's love. It's, it, he talks about the idea of the, the ocean being filled with ink, the sky, one giant massive piece of parchment. And, and despite all of our creative energy, human beings trying to put uh, the love of God, the fullness of God into words and running out of ink. I love that description. It's sort of like a crazy dream that a, a theologian and a writer would have about the world. I also think Frederick Lehman in this hymn has something really profound and important to say to us about God and about our relationship with God. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important piece of wisdom. And what he basically says here is that God is too vast. God is too great. God's love is just too incomprehensible for us to fully understand. And the Bible agrees with Frederick Lehman about this, about the fact that God, the creator of the universe, is beyond our comprehension. You know, when you look at your Bible and, and first open it up, the first book is the book of Genesis. But most scholars believe that the oldest book in the Bible, uh, the one that was written first, is actually the book of Job, which was written between 2,500 and 3,000 years ago. And in the book of Job, God, in a speech to Job, makes this point that, that he is simply beyond Job's understanding. This is in Job chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I, will, I shall question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On where, what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Were you there, Job? <laughs> Do you understand what that was like? Of course not. There's a, there's a huge limitation there for us as human beings in terms of our ability to understand God. And, and of course, we, ex we experience that also as we encounter God's creation. There are aspects of this universe that are simply impossible for us to even start to wrap our minds around. Think about how small some things can be. The atom. Uh, scientists tell us that the atom is about 100 pictometers wide. Well, it's a hundred of something. It, it couldn't be that small, right? Well, it is. <laughs> it is. It takes about a million atoms stacked on top of one another to equal the width of a single human hair. Try to, to just even understand how small that is. Also, speed. Uh, we know that light travels at the speed of light. Um, and we say that casually, but this is something that we can't even understand how fast that is. Light travels at about 300,000 kilometers per hour. Okay, that sounds big. Well, what is that? Well, a ray of light traveling around the circumference of the Earth can travel around the Earth more than seven times in a single second. Just try for a moment to think about how fast that is. And we take a really fast jet, <laughs> not gonna get very far in a single second, right? 
Now let's think about the, the scope of the universe, how massive it is. Even just the part of the universe that we are able to experience and see through our telescopes. The Hubble telescope in outer space, uh, if it zooms way out and takes a picture of the sky, just super far into the distance, we're able to look at that picture and see that it has recorded in that frame 10,000 galaxies. And inside each galaxy is around 100,000 stars. So here's a way of thinking about that. If you look up into the sky and imagine a, a spot in the sky that's about the size of a speck or a grain of sand, inside that grain of sand, there's 10,000 galaxies. Of course, the world is, is just beyond our comprehension. God, the creator of the world, is beyond our comprehension. In his song, The Love of God, Frederick Lehman says that the love of God reaches up to the highest star. Not, of course, having any idea that in over 100 years, we would know that the highest star, or the highest star that we're able to measure is 83 billion light years away. Now, when we start to think about how massive God's creation is and how vast it is and how powerful the creator must therefore be, it can be pretty easy to start to think that God must be simply unknowable. But there's another side to this coin, to this reality of God's power. And it's this, if God is so powerful that he could create this entire universe, which we live in, if we can't even comprehend, if he wanted to make aspects of his nature known to us, this all-powerful God should be able to do that as well, right? And, and the Bible does agree with this idea that we can be, uh, we can also know some things about God. In the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul is talking about Jesus and how Jesus reveals God to us, and he says this. He says, The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. This is a very dense passage, and I'm not going to try to explain all of it uh, or get fully into it, but I want to rest on one idea here. Uh, Paul says, he calls Jesus the image of the invisible God. And again, later he says that God is both visible and invisible. What he's embracing here is this idea that there is a dual reality about God, that God is in some ways knowable. He is made visible to us in some ways. And in other ways, God is invisible, unknowable. Both of these things are true at the same time. What we tend to do as human beings is gravitate towards one pole or the other. There are a lot of people who, who look at the Bible and what the Bible says about God's revelation through Jesus and say, well, then we can know God, right? <laughs> and they just fully embrace the idea that we have knowledge of God, that, we can, that there are things that we can understand about God and, and sort of zoom way over to this one side and, and nestle into this idea that, that we know about God. We have understanding. Ignoring 
the fact that there are things that, that we simply also don't know and can't understand. And then there are people who are on the other side who say, well, you know, there's nothing that we can know. The reality, of course, is, is that we live in this tension. There are things that we just are never going to understand about the Creator. There's no depth. There are depths <laughs> to God's character. There is a, a, a full truth about God that's unknowable. But at the same time, there are parts of God that we can know. There are deep and abiding truths about God's character that we can understand. And the Bible even says that we can know God experientially. That, that it's sort of possible for us, even as these tiny, infinitesimal creatures in relationship with God, that we can actually be with God. When I first introduced the hymn, The Love of God by Frederick Lehman, I said that I thought that this was a hymn, oh, and the words of this hymn had wisdom to offer us. Wisdom is when we take a piece of knowledge and we apply that knowledge to our lives. So in this case, we're talking about this idea that God transcends human knowledge, that God is, is too high above us to be fully understood by human beings. And so wisdom is, it says, what would we do with that truth? Well, there's a couple of important things I think that we should do with this truth and in applying this to our lives. The first one is simply that we should have humility in our own beliefs about God. We're all in the same boat as human beings. Um, looking at a God who is beyond our understanding and trying to do our best to understand what we can understand about who God is. And it's, it's really just best for our spiritual health, for our emotional health as human beings that we can have humility about what we believe. Uh, it's good to hold on to what we believe and to have confidence in that, but we should also be humble, especially as we approach people who have who hold on to a different version maybe of Christianity than we do or a different faith altogether. Understanding that what we know is something that we know and that we believe through faith. <laughs> we don't have any clear and direct evidence um, about the revelations that we have embraced. These are things that we believe. And, and it's great to have faith, it's great to have belief, but we need to also keep that in its proper context and, and have humility as we approach other people. It's also, I think, a great piece of wisdom for us to be very, very wary of churches and religious leaders who claim to have all the answers. Um, I wish that I had maybe had the words for this earlier in my life, um, but this is, I just think, a really important thing. There are unfortunately too many churches out there and way too many pastors and leaders who believe that they really have all the answers and they'll take that certainty that they have and they'll use it to, to put other churches down and to put other people down and, and to criticize them. Um, and unfortunately, these types of people can be really, really appealing because of course we're attracted to people who have a lot of certainty, who have a, a really, really strong sense of, of belief in, in God and in what and in uncertainty in, in what they believe in pursuing God. And so a lot of times people really rally around these types of religious leaders. Um, but unfortunately they lack humility 
in their faith, they tend to discount the beliefs and the opinions of others. They tend to become really controlling. Uh, sometimes these types of churches will become cults and, and it's not unusual at all for them to become really abusive and harmful places. And, and unfortunately, they, all are, they are all around. They're in um, Vermont, they're in the Burlington area. I don't think that this is true of Church at the Well. I think Church at the Well is a, is a place that has really humble leadership, and that's a part of what makes it a good, safe place to worship God. I think it's one of the reasons that actually a lot of people have been attracted to Church at the Well, because they've seen that there is a sense of humility. And, and just as total certainty can be attractive for some, I think um, seeing that humility in your leaders is attractive to others. When we moved to Michigan from Vermont as a family, one, that was one of the things that we were clearly looking for was a church where we saw humility in its leadership. And we found that a church called Sycamore Creek Church in Lansing, and now we're a part of a community that's, that's kind of uh, connected to Sycamore Creek in Lansing in Potterville, Michigan. The first week that we went and attended that church, uh, it wasn't the lead pastor who was speaking, it was someone else. Uh, was like a, a staff volunteer. And that was to us a sign of humility, right? That the person who's in charge is letting someone else be the one to stand up front and speak and have the attention placed on them. And we continue to see that humility in other ways. I just encourage you to always look for that. If you're moving, if for some reason you need to find a different church, Always be on the lookout for leaders who are, who are humble and always be very, very wary of people who claim to have all the answers. And here's another piece of wisdom that comes from this truth about God, that, that God ultimately transcends our understanding. And it's that if we want to know God, if we want to experience God, our posture needs to be as people who are, who are ardently seeking after God. And this really makes sense if you think about it, right? We've talked so much in this sermon today about how great God is, about how vast and incomprehensible God's creation is, how impossible that can sometimes be to wrap our minds around. Well, if we want to know a God like that, it would make sense that then it would be a challenge to do that, that it would be maybe not always that easy for us to connect with God, to gain understanding about God, and to experience God. It, it isn't always the case that we find God in, in the places that you would normally look or would expect to look. Uh, I have a master's degree in New Testament studies, so during my my time at Gordon-Conwell Seminary, I learned a lot of Greek and I spent a lot of time studying the New Testament in its original language. And there were most certainly times when that was just amazing, when I felt, I just had this profound experience of, of feeling as if I was just getting to know God so much better through that time of learning. And there are times when I've been to worship services and I've just felt so connected to God. Um, it, being surrounded by people who are worshiping God and who are there to have that same experience of connection that I was looking for. But I've also had times when neither of those places really helped me to feel any closer to God. There have been plenty of times when I've opened up the Bible and I've read things and it just, I'm not connecting. When I just feel like I've heard that story before and this isn't adding anything to my sense of knowledge or understanding. Or when I've been to worship services and it feels like people around me are connecting with God, but it just isn't happening to me. 
Sometimes we experience God in, in these sort of obvious places. Sometimes we find God in other places. It just feels as if uh, maybe sometimes we have to look a little bit harder. Sometimes we find God in the woods. Sometimes we find God in the mountains. Sometimes we find God and experience God in relationships with other people. Uh, who are also a part of God's creation, right? So the most amazing part of God's creation is are, are, the, are his children. One of the things that I miss the most from the time uh, during this pandemic is, is having like just long dinners with friends. Uh, this is something that my wife Rebecca and I really have always loved to do is just when you're with really close friends and you're able to just have this long, long, <laughs> slow dinner where you spend lots and lots of time together. And those can be times where I really feel uh, deeply connected to God. Sometimes we experience God in places that you'd never think to look, um, in, in books and in stories that were written by people who don't even believe in God. And yet I've found times where I've just felt profound sense of connection through God um, in that. I felt God in, and in Zoom meetings and staff meetings, there have been times where I've experienced something that has really helped me to connect with God. The biggest thing is just for us to realize and hopefully embrace the fact that God is, is truly great. God is truly difficult for us to comprehend. And yet the Bible says this and insists this, God, the God of the universe wants to spend time with us wants to experience our presence and is open to um, sharing his presence with us. That's a pretty remarkable thing. Um, and it's, a, it's an amazing invitation. But I know through my own life experience, I know as I've worked with others uh, through their own spiritual growth, this kind of thing doesn't come easily, this type of experience. Knowing God, understanding more about God, experiencing God, it only happens when we seek him, when we are truly devoted in our lives to knowing God, uh, learning about him and experiencing God's presence. It comes to those who seek. listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com.